Lord, this evening, we gather together with your people, with Christians all around the world, to sing your praises and to fully realize and worship you for the great reality that we who are once dead in trespasses and sins have been made alive through Jesus our Lord. So, Father, as we've gathered to worship you on this Christmas Eve, I ask now that you would just take away distraction and anxiety from us, that we might fix our attention upon you and your word. Would your spirit be our teacher in this time? Would you do your hard work? We ask expectantly, praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I'll tell you what. This is the most wonderful time of the year, right? That's what the song says. And I tell you, I, okay, I, I don't think this is a big secret, but I, I look forward to Christmas pretty much all year round, okay? This is, this is like the big highlight for me. My kids, it seems to me it's a hereditary trait. They, they told me this is their favorite service of the year, okay? You know, and, and they're here every time those church doors are open. So this is their favorite one. This is just, it's such a great time of the year. It's the most wonderful season. In fact, there's just such joy. Just, you know, as you walk in and you see all the different people and the smiles. And it's just that it's like that one time of the year where we just want to lay aside all of our problems. We actually try not to think of them. And we just kind of like all is well. At least we, we really we like to believe that. And so we look forward to Christmas because we kind of almost in our mind think, doesn't matter what's happening at work or how bad these relationships are going or my financial situation or whatever. I, at least at Christmas, for just a few hours, life will be good. But if we were to just step back from just the emotion of the moment, I think we would find that actually our world is filled with broken people. If we look closely enough, if we actually will try to slow down just enough to kind of examine the own state of our heart and soul, we find out that our lives are like, like, like broken vases. I mean, yes, we, we have a purpose and a function, but there's something going on in our, our world. And there's something going on even with us. We're, we're, we're broken. And just like a broken vase, yes, you can see that, yeah, it had intent, but it's cracked. And there are these sharp glass shards. And, and what happens with our life as it's broken like this is we, uh, we have a tendency to, to cut other people. There's something that resides within us that if, if it doesn't go quite our way or you, you don't please us or if you've offended us or even if we think that you've offended us, that we're quick to just... Lance out and to, to cut you. And we actually not only hurt people, people that we actually love, people that we work with, people we go to school with, but there's something that we do even to our own selves. There's something about us. We're scarred and marred and broken, and it is a generational issue. It's something you actually we've inherited from Adam. It's we've been born into sin. We've we've missed the intent of why God has made us and created us. We were actually, think of this, each one of us, we were made by God for God. 
Whether you recognize it or not, we were actually made for him. And yet what happens is now we uh, we decide that we're going to go life on our own. We walk away from God or call out to him only in our great hour of need. We might show up at a church service like tonight or perhaps Easter, but really we give very little attention to God. If we were to ask who is the one who is the captain of your soul and who is guiding you, who's your great hope in this world, many people would honestly answer themselves. When they look in the mirror, they see their only hope, and yet they see brokenness. And we live in such a broken world. I mean, think of it. Think of our nation. There's chaos in streets of some of our biggest cities. There's corruption. There's crime. We look at our world. We... We have a world of unstable regimes. There is a real nuclear threat. There's power struggle. There's financial collapse. And then if we look even within our own soul, there's brokenness, hurt, loss. You know, for many people, Christmas is actually the most difficult time of the year. They are faced with the tragedy of of loss. Loss in their own life, loss of loved ones, lost dreams, lost opportunities. You know, one year ago, just one year ago, last year in Britain, there was a a woman, she's 82 years old, named Doris, and she was supposed to be released from the hospital. And so the doctor, you know, kept checking her out and said, hey, you know what, it's time for you to go home. But she kept complaining about just some of these just kind of unusual symptoms. You know, so he'd run some more tests and like, you know, there's doors. There's, there's nothing wrong with you. I, even though you have these inexplicable health issues, you ran all these tests. He says, Doris, I, I need to send you home. Besides, it's, it's two days before Christmas. You don't want to be in the hospital. We want to send you home. Doris then just looked down. And she told the doctor, I don't want to go home. I am so lonely. And then she looked in the eyes of this British doctor and she asked, Doctor, can you give me a cure for loneliness? See, there's something inside of us in our world. We're broken. We're like these vases. There's, there's some function there, but we're hurt. We're lost. We're lonely. And we will remain in that state because we are actually separated from God. Because of this sin in our life. And that's what sin means. It means to miss the perfect mark. We were created for God when we live for ourselves and we act out upon impulses that, are, that drive us and these desires for self-gratification and, and pride. What happens is we experience the alienation that we have from God. And we will live like this even during Christmas unless we understand the true meaning of Christmas. In fact, you can find it in Luke chapter 2. You see, God meets us in our brokenness. He alone can give us peace. In fact, He alone can take from the pieces of our life and give us the peace of God. And if you want to truly experience God's peace, not only today, but for the rest of your life and throughout all eternity, then you must understand The true significance of Christmas. And so in Luke chapter 2, you read the most famous of stories. 
But it's also the story that gives us the entrance to hope. So in chapter two, verse one, verse one in the Gospel of Luke, he says, now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Caesar Augustus, the most important man in the world. He was the first Caesar to be actually given the title the August one. This was a title that they actually reserved only for their gods. But this particular Caesar took it upon himself. Caesar, the August one, the great one. And with this Caesar, and he's actually considered the greatest of the Caesars. This Caesar Augustus, he's the one who ushered in the golden age of architecture and of literature in Rome. He is the one who moved them into a republic. He is the one who established Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Now, for you to understand what the Roman peace is, um, well, basically what Rome did is they basically bludgeoned all their flows into submission. And when they had all the areas that they wanted conquered and no one was having any sort of rebellion, they was, that was establishing the peace of Rome, the Pax Romana. It was a Hitler-Stalin-like peace. And so powerful was Caesar Augustus that he could say that there will be a census taken. And even from the farthest, remotest part of his empire, far to the east, even in Israel, he could have it accomplished. And so what they would do a census for, a census was taken so for two purposes. One, it was done for taxation purposes, so they could know how much tribute they're going to be taking from a particular area of their empire. And second, they were going to find out who was eligible from compulsory military duty. Now, in Israel, the Jews were actually exempt from military duty. And so when they took this census, it was primarily for the taxation of this far part of the Roman Empire. And so that is, verse 3, what was taking place. And so everyone was on their way to register for the census, each to his own city. You had to go to the city in which your, your family came from. And so if you had moved, and you'd taken a job elsewhere, or you'd relocated somewhere, at a census, you had to go back to your home city, your city of family origin, or town, wherever that might be. And so it was for Joseph. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, and he wasn't going alone. He was also going with Mary in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. For nine months, Joseph's world has been flipped upside down, not so much because of the census, but because of this this event, this this woman who he had been betrothed to or legally engaged to for the last nine months she had been pregnant he wanted to actually divorce her and just say i I cannot understand how this could possibly happen until an angel spoke to him and revealed that this child that your future wife is carrying is emmanuel god with us the promised messiah and he became convinced That indeed God was going to enter into humanity. And so he took Mary, kept her a virgin, but she, they, they basically, they lived as married people except living in the same house. But because of the census, he takes Mary with him. They make their way, the 80 mile journey. This woman who's now nine months pregnant, just about ready to give birth through all the rugged terrain. They make their way to the city of David because he is of the line of David 
as is Mary. And it says, and while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. This is one of the parts of the Christmas story that's so startling to us. I mean, a woman who is nine months pregnant, who is actually, you can see that she's experiencing labor pains. And remind you, let me remind you, all of this is family. I mean, yeah, you may have not known these people, but they are all related to you by blood. But no one had any room for them. I mean, Bethlehem, small little village, don't get the idea of it's some sort of massive city, would be just completely overwhelmed with a census being taken. Everybody has to show up there. Every available space was taken up, perhaps because Mary was pregnant and, the, and it was a hard journey. They were the, some of the last ones to arrive. But there is no place, not even for the inn. Now, if you get the idea of like this is a little bed and breakfast, you've missed it. The inn uh, in, in biblical times of 2000 years ago was basically kind of like you had this. Big, huge square where the animals were kept uh, in this big square and around the square was like a shelter. And that shelter was kind of put into like little parcels, almost like stalls. And that's what the inn was. You stayed in the stall and the animals stayed in the courtyard. And the only thing the innkeeper gave you were they gave you two things, fodder, food for your animals and firewood. But you did your own cooking. And so it is even in this inn. An animal stall. There's no place for this woman, her husband, and the birth of this child. And so she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in claws, and he laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in an inn. They had to go outside of the city of Bethlehem. Perhaps it was just just some sort of little pen where they kept animals. or per, Likely it was a cave that had been hollowed out. And they use this to kind of keep a shelter for animals. And there's this woman who's carried the Son of God, lays this baby in a manger. Now, there's, there's something going to take place here that is going to revolutionize the world. You have the birth of Jesus, but it says in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And so these these shepherds, they're just doing their job. Now, shepherds, if you got the whole strata, okay, and you got kings up top here, shepherds were one step better than lepers, okay? They were the despised of society. They spent their whole life, day and night, out there with the sheep. Why do they have, what's the big deal with sheep? Well, you see, Bethlehem is about six miles away from Jerusalem, and they were always having sacrifices. They needed unblemished animals. They needed these sheep and these lambs. And so that's what the shepherds did. They raised them in the fertile uh, hill country there, and they would bring them in. This was just a way of life. They'd bring them into Jerusalem, and these lambs would be sacrificed. They're just doing their job. They, they generally stayed away from the rest of the people of society. They were ignored or mocked. And you know, when you're a shepherd and you carry around sheep all the time, I mean, you eventually just smell like them. And so they were just doing their job. Everybody else is gathered through the census, perhaps enjoying themselves, being together with family. They're keeping their watch over their flock by night. And then verse nine, an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. Suddenly, it's as if a star just exploded in their midst. Uh, There would be just intense brightness. 
They would, they would not even know what to do. They would be throwing themselves on the ground, or perhaps they, if they were sleeping, they were suddenly awake. And you know what happens when you're totally startled like this? Adrenaline just goes flowing through your body. They could neither fight nor run and flee because they were like paralyzed by fear, by this expression of brightness before them. And it says an angel stood before them. And this angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. There's this angelic announcement. And he says, for today in the city of David, there's been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, when he talks about Christ, Christos, Messiah, the Jews had been waiting for a Messiah. Most Jews... And this time we're waiting for a military conqueror to basically take Rome and to break the bonds of Roman occupation from them, cause Rome to flee so they could once again be a free country and a free people. There were a few that were waiting for a Messiah that will bring healing to them. But when the angel makes the announcement of Christ, he says, I announce to you the birth of the one who is your savior. You see, God meets our greatest need by sending his own son, God, the son who's existed from all eternity. He temporarily sets aside the exercise of his divine attributes to come and enter into humanity. He forces himself into human form so that he might actually be the just payment for sin for the wages of our sin is death. And so Jesus actually comes into humanity so that he might satisfy God's justice By demonstrating his love. And so this angel says, I announce to you, your savior has been born, who is Christ the Lord. And I want you to know, this angel says, that you will see him. And he says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. As they're trying to put this together, there's a baby in a manger The king, the one that the the scriptures have been writing and speaking of, the prophets have been announcing, going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, from the very beginning, this one's born and he's laying in a manger. And then as as, as they're having this thought and try to reconcile what this angel is saying, still caught in fear, then suddenly, verse 13, there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, can't you just see this host of angels everywhere, light, brightness, And they're crying out glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. You see, God wants his people to experience his peace, not the Pax Romana, the the Roman peace, the absence of conflict or war, but the peace that comes from knowing God's presence. It is a peace that comes from God. That he actually allows us to enter into relationship with him. There's no strife, no enmity. Our sin's been covered and paid for. But also there is a peace that comes from God. It's of God. It is the peace that allows us to say it is well with our soul, even in the midst of great difficulty, hardship, trial. Because it is a peace that finds confidence in God. And this is what the angels are announcing. Peace among men with whom he is pleased. Well, suddenly these angels, as they came, suddenly disappear. 
All of a sudden, it's back to night and the stars. The shepherds, together, he's like looking at themselves, totally in shock. And so when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, verse 15, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They acted upon what they heard. There's like, we got to go. The sheep at this point are totally irrelevant. We've got to go see what we just heard. And so they make their way to Bethlehem. Remember the angel said it in the city of David? They know where the city of David is in Bethlehem. That is where David came from. And so they came in a hurry. And they made their way. Now, when they come into the village, they would expect that everyone in the village would know about this great announcement. I mean, everybody in the village is far more important than they are. And yet when they show up, no one seems to know what they're talking about. They're like, hey, where's, where's the Messiah? Where, where is he? Where is he born? He's supposed to be in a manger. Where, where is he? And they're like, what? And you've got to, the reaction of the people would be like, guys, get back in the field. You've been out in the cold way too long. You don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. What? Angels? Messiah? There's a sense of being, uh, get out, get out, get out. And they, they'd run them off, but these guys would not be stopped. And so you could see them. They probably just ran right into the inn. It's in the middle of the night. People are trying to sleep. Can't imagine what that would be like. And they're running around. Hey, where's, where's the baby that was born? Where, where's the Messiah? And what? We're sleeping. And they're, they're shoot out once again. But they will not stop. And as they're kind of running around and realizing, hey, it's, it must be outside of Bethlehem here, suddenly they come. And it says, it says they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. You know, it's one thing to hear about the coming of the Messiah and the details about a baby laying in a manger. But can you imagine what it was like to walk into this stall or this, this cave? And you see these peasant people. You can tell immediately by their clothes they're poor. And you see this little baby lying in a feeding trough for animals. The smell of manure and smell of birth that had just taken place. See a woman completely exhausted and yet overwhelmed with joy. A frightened, yet just a husband in almost utter shock. And this baby laying in a manger. And so when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child and all who heard it wondered at the things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Can't you imagine it? Mary and Joseph, who they themselves had been experiencing the miraculous for nine months. Now, when they hear the testimony of the shepherds, it's like, whoa, you get chills just thinking about it. as They hear once again, God's mighty, miraculous power all being centered and focused upon this one who is their child. Well, at some point in the conversation, whether Mary or Joseph or perhaps the shepherds asked, they asked, what is, what is the baby's name? And they would say, his name is Jesus. They would probably say it in Hebrew, Yeshua. Do you know what that means? Yahweh saves. For the shepherds, it'd be one more confirmation because that is exactly what the angels said. There is coming one who will be your savior and his name, Yahweh, God's personal name, Yahweh saves. You could just see it. They probably just get down on their knees right 
before that little baby in the manger. And they had never been so close to God as they were that Christmas night. Well, Mary is treasuring all these things. She's continually thinking of them. The awesomeness of this moment. The reality that God has delivered a Savior. A Savior for her. A Savior for her husband. For the shepherds. For all of humanity. And the shepherds, verse 20, they went back glorifying and praising God for all that they heard and seen, just as had been told them. You see, when you've experienced the joy of knowing that God has sent a Savior for you, it fills you with great joy. And so let me just ask you, what will it be for you this Christmas? Are you going to go back just to the pieces of your life? Try to make the best of it? Or will you accept and trust in Jesus who is God's Savior for the world who will take you in the midst of your brokenness and He makes you whole and new And he does so by making you a new creature in the inside, which eventually manifests itself on the outside. You know, we are we're made with a purpose. Do you know what your purpose in life is? Your purpose in life is to glorify God, just like this vase. Its purpose is to allow the beauty of the flower to shine forth. So God has made us that when we trust Christ, we display the glory of God in our relationships at work, with our worship, in our recreation, in our difficult times, in the times of great stress, even loneliness, when we still cling to a faith in God and still praise Him, we display the glory of God. You see, the peace of God only comes from trusting Christ. As the psalmist wrote, God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And so on Christmas... Christmas is the opportunity for the world to experience the peace of God, not just for a few fleeting minutes, but for a lifetime, yea, for an eternity, as we just simply turn from ourselves and trust Jesus, the Savior, as Lord and the God of our lives. Let us pray. Lord, we come this Christmas Eve. For some of us, this has been quite a year of struggle. Perhaps we've experienced pain of broken relationships, cancer, financial hardship, real loss, even as a result of the consequences of even of our own sin. And yet, Father, we have come to this understanding that you are the one who takes the broken pieces of our life. And allows us to experience the peace that comes from you as we trust in Jesus, who's the promised and delivered Savior. And so, Father, if there are people here tonight who have never placed their faith and trust in Christ. And now they feel compelled to do so, that they might know you and your peace. But they simply pray with me and say, Lord, you know about me and all the broken pieces of my life. And not only what I've done to myself, but what I've done to others. 
right, right now, I turn from my sin and I trust Jesus, the Savior, the one who came expressly to die and pay the penalty for my sin by dying on the cross. And I trust him because I also understand he rose three days later and he offers life to all those who simply trust in him. And so I turn from myself and I turn to you this Christmas Eve. And Father, for the rest of us, may we not walk through life knowing the truth about Christ. May we experience him, trusting him, not relying on self-effort, but simply relying and resting upon Jesus, the promised Savior of the world, who is our peace. May you fill us with your joy. May we declare and radiate your life and your light. And we ask this, Lord, through your spirit and in the name of Jesus. Amen.